0: In the name of the Father, and the Son, and God's Holy Spirit, one God. Amen. So as I started working with uh, uh, the Gospel lesson for this morning, two stories came to mind. Um, The first was a letter that I received from a school teacher in my former church I had, not long before that, preached a sermon in which I had invited the congregation to look at a particular social issue from a faith perspective rather from the view of their politics. And so she wrote, and the first thing she said was that she very much appreciated that. She said, you know, I really need my church to help me focus on, on, on issues that are, should be of concern to me so she really appreciated that and yet she went on to say um, those things require a lot of money uh, not a a lot of energy (laughs) maybe both and she said there is another side in addition to that um, and that is what am I living for She said It's not just a question of what I am living for. It is also what I am am living from. She said, take me for an example. She said, I'm a first grade teacher. Uh, Every morning I have 24 sets of these little eyes who are staring up at me. I have to determine where they are in their journey. I have to figure out what they need. And I have to help them uh, to grow. She said, that calls for tremendous energy and enthusiasm. She said, where do I get the resources to keep on keeping on? She said, my problem is more with the means than it is with the ends. I already know what God is calling me to do. But where do I get the strength to embody that? She was asking me as a pastor to be sensitive to not only what are we living for, but what are we living from. So the second story was sort of like unto this. Uh, I went back, this was not that many years after I graduated from seminary, Uh, so a number of years ago, I went back for my first and only uh, reunion for my seminary. And while I was there, I was talking to a young man um, I think he had graduated a couple of years before me, so he had been in ministry for a little while. And uh, while we were sitting at the same table over lunch, I just asked him, how is it going? And uh, he said to me, well, to be honest, I feel like I have a rudder, but no sail. And that image has always stayed with me. He said, seminary really helped me to think theologically. It really gave me some wonderful ideals for ministry, but how do I get in touch with the power, the potency, to actually do it? He said, I feel like I have the rudder, but I don't have the sail. And my sense is that both of these people, each in their own way, uh, were pointing to the same thing, and that is that the balanced Christian life has to focus both on the things that we are living for, but also the things that we are living from. There has to be some organic connection between the ends and the means. That's why I find this morning's gospel so incredibly relevant. Because I think if you live into the images that Jesus uh, gives us, that Chris just read for us, uh, you can find that he speaks to both of these. For example, Uh, in terms of living from. Jesus reminds us who we are and who we are not. I am the vine, he says. You are the branches. In other words, you did not create yourself. You are not, much to your own chagrin, a self-made man or woman. You were born into this world through the generosity of another. You even at this moment, are being carried by a river of grace that is not of your own making. And it is only when we abide in that generosity, only when we remember to get in touch with that source that continues to give us life, that there is wind beneath our sails. I am the vine. You are the branches. Cut off from me. You can do nothing. So that's what we're living from. But living for is that you and I are to bear fruit, the kind of fruit that the one who is, even at this moment, giving us life, wants us to bear. Now, I think it's clear from the gospel that the kind of fruit that we are asked to bear is the same kind of generous, loving action that characterized our being born into this world. You know, Genesis says that sometime in the time before time, uh, God just didn't want to keep his kind of aliveness to himself. He wanted to share the ecstasy of his aliveness uh, with others. And so um, God decided to create, not because God had to, but because God wanted to. And so here we find ourselves in the midst of this process, and God says to us, join with me, partner with me, help me to shape the end of this drama. Which is to say that we were put here to do something. We are not just to be, we are to bear fruit. So the challenge, it seems to me, is to hold these two in a kind of balance, the means and the ends, the things that we are living from and the things that we are living for. And it is so easy to get those out of balance, one way or the other. And so we all need ways of reminding ourselves. On the one hand, who we are and whose. But on the other hand, why we are here and the purposes that we are to serve. Some of us really do need to abide more. Some of us are facing serious challenges in our lives. Uh, We or our loved ones have lost jobs or we have issues with our health or in our relationships. Some of us have families or family members who frankly are out of control. We want more than anything to fix them. And we need sometimes to remember that we can become overburdened by those things weighing on us. We need ways to remember that we cannot fix it all. Some of us have kids and we're so worried about them. We want them uh, to not watch too much television. We don't want them to be on the internet too long. We want them to have the right teacher at school. Um, We want them to not miss this once in a lifetime opportunity. And so we read books and we read articles And here's the truth. We can worry so much about them that we can actually miss the joy of having them. We need sacraments. We need ways to remember to abide who we are and whose. A colleague of mine, a pastor, um, has kept in his office for many years a little statue that was given to him by his wife. I think she she bought it on their honeymoon. It's a clown sitting on a swing. She bought it um, because she had heard him preach a sermon once, I think before they were married, about how the Christian life is more like a swing than it is a trapeze. Which, of course, if you think about it, is absolutely true. A trapeze is what we have to hold on to for dear life. And it is the strength of our grip that enables us to stay up in the air. On the other hand, a swing, dear life, is holding on to us. We can put our whole weight down on it and depend on the strength of another. So he has kept this little statue in his office for a number of years. He said it reminds him of himself. He says, I am always like the clown. He says, I'm a klutz, not just physically but emotionally. But he says, when I remember that dear life is holding on to me rather than the other way around, it reminds me who I am. And more than once, he says, it has shifted the balance of my anxiety. I'm thinking of uh, the little saying on a bookmark that I saw some time ago. It's by Martin Marty, the uh, great church historian. It says, do not feel totally, personally, irrevocably responsible for everything. That's my job. Signed, God. (laughs) Which reminds me of the little story which I have told before. Um, You know, they always say you teach what you need to learn. So it's not surprising that I come back to this. So it's a story about this young, very activist preacher um, by the name of Dick Jones, uh, who was involved in every good cause he could find in the community. He worked day and night. One morning, Dick woke up with a terrible fever. His wife was very concerned. Uh, it happened that there was a. Uh, their neighbor was a doctor, so she slipped out and went to see if he would come and take a look at Dick, which he did. He, after a quick examination, he said to Dick, um, "You're in the beginnings of viral pneumonia, and you're going to have to go to the hospital." To which Dick responded, "Oh, doctor, you don't understand. I can't be sick today. I have to speak at the Rotary at twelve o'clock. Um, I have." two board meetings that I must participate in today. And tonight is our church council. I have to moderate that meeting. I simply can't be sick today. And uh, the doctor said, well, I I really have never met anybody who was absolutely indispensable. But the truth is, you're sick, and you have to go to the hospital. And with that, he went to the phone to make the arrangements. Well, as he was gone, apparently Dick's fever uh, put him into a kind of trance. And in that trance, he imagined that he was looking out over heaven itself. So here is this big white throne with God Almighty sitting on it, angels all around. And in the trance, one of the angels uh, comes up and hands God a little piece of paper. And with that, God reads it and lets out a terrible cry of anguish. Oh, no, he says. Oh, no, what will I do? And the angels all gather around and say, what is it, Lord? What have you learned that has so upset you? God says, oh, no. What will I do? Dick Jones is sick. (laughs) All of us need sacraments or icons that remind us to abide. I am the vine. You are the branches. We have nothing that we did not receive. And only as we are in touch with that abiding presence do we find the potency that we really need. But then I also need reminders of what I am living for. And so do you, because the truth is we live in a society that is reminding us every minute of every day, you are what you have. You are how you look. Progress always means moving faster, climbing higher. In such a world, where do we hear the voice that is calling us to give more and to need less? Why are we surprised when our children or grandchildren are never satisfied with anything? Where do you think they learn that? In a society that is hell-bent on always being upwardly mobile, it can be painfully difficult to hear, let alone live, the undeniable downward pull of the Gospel. How do I let the love in which I abide flow, not just to me, but through me? And here, frankly, is one of the places that I think a local church, being involved in a local church can be an incredible blessing. Because I need places that will remind me what's it all about, Alfie? Because I need places where I I can tangibly give something of myself, not just my money, but my time and energy and creativity. And a church is not the only place to do that, but it can be one of the best. Because in the end, Christianity is only so much listening. It is only so much believing the right thing. And I think this is a big issue in our society for Christianity as a whole, where more and more people, if they go to church at all, go to these mega churches, which have wonderful programs. But the truth is, numerically speaking, more than half of the people who go to those churches never do anything. They never give a dime. And that is a big effect on what's going to happen in Christianity in our society. At some point, Christianity is also what you do. It is participating in organizing a shelter for homeless people. It is going to call on real flesh and blood people, sick people, old people, new people. Anybody can love abstractly. What is that expression? I love humanity. It's people I can't stand. (laughs) It's teaching real kids the story of the gospel who otherwise will never hear it. It's caring for a family other than your own. No one has greater love than this, he said, to lay down one's life. No longer do I call you servants because the servant doesn't know what the master is doing. I call you friends. That's an amazing thing that Jesus says to us. I call you friends, partners, because I have made known to you who I am and what it is all about. Abide in me as I already abide in you and bear fruit that is consistent with who you are. So here is Jesus' way of putting together the means by which we live and the ends for which we live. This is what each of us and all of us is called to be and called to do. This morning, he invites us, abide in me, and then go and bear fruit. Amen.